0: Yellow Beak, how to me? i in the boss man. Show we're drawn by Scott Agnes here with Athletic, covering the lineup. the pacer's up there in Indianapolis, an Eastern Conference, doing big things up there. Scott, back from Vegas, man. How's things going with you guys?
1: Yeah, things are going well, thanks. Yeah, just it's kind of that recovery phase from Vegas. It's just, it's, you're stimulated the entire time really hot and uh you're trying to get a lot of work done in a short amount of time so it's good to be home but i really had a good time out in vegas um, which becomes the central point for the nba world for at least this
0: month you got there right now scott i want to go back a little bit with you from last year i feel like coach Nathan millen did a great job last year so despite losing victor the team still stayed battling for that fourth or fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. They didn't give up. They didn't pack it in. And this shows how he coaches his team tough and hard and keeps his guys engaged even though they lost their star player.
1: No, I would agree with you. And first, I, I'd give props to the executives who brought in that type of group because on purpose they brought in high-level character guys, team-first type guys um, that wouldn't allow a, a significant injury like that to, to, to derail them, right? But then, even more so, Jr. That was great about last year's team was that seven guys were in contract years. It was the it was a key point that Nate discussed with the team during their first practice. But he never had to again, and and that's telling because so many different teams and situations you see where guys are playing for their next contract or they're hunting stats and things like that. So even that injury aside, um, that got, that group really handled it well, I thought. But uh, and you're exactly right with Nate too in that. I thought he deserved uh, to be rewarded for the last season and how well he kept them together. So I actually voted him the third uh, third for Coach of the Year. Um, I, I was just impressed with how he got that group to rally behind Boyan McDonavich and everybody else and play as a team. And they did have that drop-off late in the season. But that was mostly, at least in my mind, due to uh, the schedule really ramping up and the guys just being exhausted, kind of being on overload for the last several months after having to assert themselves with Victor being down in Miami uh, after surgery.
0: And, Scott, also, it was going to to even a year prior, they took Cleveland to game seven and, and, and could have won. If you uh, played two here or that, they could have won that game. So, they, they
1: were the better team. Very much they so. They were the better team than that. They just – one team had LeBron, and it wasn't the Pacers in that series. That's all it came down to.
0: You got that right, and I just I feel like <laughs> Coach Nate has got a raw deal. I feel like in, in Seattle and in Portland, but he's a damn good coach. People don't see because he's so quiet. He he doesn't promote himself. He doesn't make it about himself. People kind of don't see it unless you're really into the NBA like you and you and I are.
1: Yeah, no, he, he's certainly not going to promote himself. I even asked him who who would be some of his top coaches in his mind for Coach of the Year. He didn't even mention himself within the top five. Uh, has that humility, and if you ask any of the assistant coaches or or staff members, the video coordinators, the trainers, what it's like, and they're sincere. Like he is a great man. He empowers them to do their job. He's not overbearing. He's not going to try to do it for them. Uh, he empowers everyone to to succeed in their position. And for example, here's a great way to recognize that. For example, during training camp, they they welcome the G League coach for the franchise in, and he's treated just like another assistant coach. He's in every meeting. He's allowed to do all the instruction he wants on the court. Some coaches would be insecure about that, right? Like, oh, another guy probably after my job eventually. No, 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 I don't want him. This is my show. There's oftentimes in practice a little portion we're able to see, and maybe the defensive coordinators running the show and not Nate. Nate's sitting back a little bit. So I think that's the true showing of a great coach or a great leader in that they hire good people and they let them do their job.
0: And the loss of Darren Carlson, Dad Young, and Boyan Badanovic, how do they affect the team going forward? Before we get to the additions, but losing those three, three, three key guys to what the program Nate's built, how do you think losing them is going to affect the franchise going forward?
1: Uh, not uh, not too much in that, JR. Uh, they only planned on trying to bring back Boyan, and they were after him. They, they had spoken out several times about Bogie was their number one priority, and he was but everything shifted for them about 48 hours before the start of free agency. It was really wild And that Nikola Mirotic and, and his family decided they wanted to go back home, go back to Spain, and, and play overseas, which resulted in the Utah Jazz pivoting from what they were going to go after and, and offer Nikola. So in turn, they shifted their focus to Boyan, offered him way more than the Pacers were comfortable with, which in turn ended up being a fully guaranteed fourth year. And then turn, then the Pacers pivoted, away from Ricky Rubio, who they were in deep discussions with, and really executed a great sign-and-trade, I thought, in acquiring Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks. So everybody, I will say with Darren Collison, and he threw everybody off. Uh, nobody saw this retirement happening with him, not his teammates, not executives by the Pacers or throughout the league, even even other agents. So that was a real curveball right before free agency.
0: Now, Scott, I was shocked when I heard the story from Brian Winterhorst, of ESPN that Herb Simon called the bus ownership and told them that they were wanting Malcolm Brogdon and they were out compensation. Because I feel like that's hurting the patients down the road. If by doing that, I would have just. Drawing up a poison pill contract (laughs) to just say, Hope you match it. Because I know you get signed Chris Middleton and you can't really go into tax in Milwaukee. I will do that rather than call. But I know Chris (laughs) Simon's an old school owner. He he, he, He's like, They're they're partners, not adversaries. But I was like, Wow. He's a better man than I would have wrote that contract knowing that you couldn't match it because you've been in the tax.
1: Yeah, so that is all accurate. As it was described to me, JR, was that. Uh, when the Pacers and Kevin Pritchard decided, hey, this is the guy we want to go after. Um, and I should tell you, traditionally, Pacers do not go after restricted free agents for this very reason. It's tricky. It, it's kind of pitting franchises up against one another. And like you said, Herb Simon, the Pacers' owner, believes they're kind of in this together. Uh, and so once the Pacers made that thought of let's try to go after Malcolm, um, the Bucks at that point were already calling around trying to find sign-and-trade deals. Um, but what I was told was that Simon picked up the phone call their ownership group and said, Hey, let's do this together. What's it going to take to make this work? And unfortunately for the Pacers, uh, the, the demand was it included a first round pick. I don't mind the two second round picks. In fact, the Pacers picked up five of them this offseason strategically for this type of reason. Um, but it is a little price to pay for a guy. A lot of us assumed would probably hit the market and go- be gone just because of the numbers game. Like you said, with Milwaukee, there's only so much money to go around. Um, but in turn the two things that they did pacers did gain from this i will say jr is they didn't have to wait out restricted free agency if the bucks wanted to it could have taken that full 48 hours to match full 48 hours um to to let a physical go by those sorts of things that would delay the pacers free agency and then also in doing so it helps attract i think other free agents um, down the line so they know what they they could get and on top of that, at least they got him under contract the next four years. It's not a short-term deal. Um, so if you're the Pacers who have never really commanded a a great free agent, I'm not even saying elite, a great free agent, this is worthwhile just because their options typically are not very good in free agency.
0: And I think on draft night, getting T.J. Warren was a great move for you That's, guys. And I'm, surprised you brought that
1: I'm surprised you brought that up, Jr. because nobody is talking about T.J. Warren. I think it got lost in the mix just because it was about 90 minutes before the draft.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. And I feel like that's going to help mitigate any loss you have with Victor being out, also with, with Bogey a little bit there. He can score on the wing. He can defend a 3-and-D guy. So that's what, and he's on a good contract as well. It's not too exorbitant that you all can handle on your cap going forward.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that except the defense part. I'm not sure we can say he can defend or if he can even be a capable defender. Um, Because that's my only concern with the roster at this point is who is the guy guarding that elite wing? Who is the guy guarding Kawhi, the Paul Georges, the LeBrons? Because in years past, it's been Thaddeus Young, who moved on and was expected to move on, or Boyan Vigdanovich. And right now, maybe it's a T.J. Warren, although talking to people in Phoenix, he's not really a defender, not even a willing defender, um, just kind of an average type guy. But what he and a lot of these other free agent pickups bring that the Pacers lacked last year was offense. Pacers were the lowest scoring team in the postseason, 92 points per game. We all know that's not enough to get it done. And the contract, like you said, with Jeremy Lamb is excellent at basically 11 million per year over the next three years for him. And we saw Charlotte give up uh, significantly more money, paying significantly more for Terry Rozier. So I like what the Pacers were able to do right there.
0: Well, I'm begging on my man Popeye Jones and Coach Nate making. J defend because I know that they are sticklers for defense. So I'm, I'm giving that to them the benefit of the doubt. They're gonna coach <laughs> and get giving some game playing discipline. As my dad would always tell me when I played ball. Jr. Sixty game playing discipline. Just play your position, yeah. do your roles. So hopefully, they can at least do that at least. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> Seeing what what he stands to benefit Jr. From here coming to Indianapolis is for one, it's a winning organization. Like just imagine going to your your work every day or whatever it is and knowing you're the worst at what you do, and there's 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 no bonus in sight. Like That'd be a tough way to go about business, where nobody's happy. You might get moved. Like That's that's real life right now for the Suns, who arguably have the worst organization in the league. I mean, you probably could argue the Knicks are right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he also comes to Indianapolis where there's structure, and I think that will be incredibly valuable to him as well, structure in a winning organization. And the one thing the Pacers have, have really done a lot, Especially recently, and is focusing on finding those guys in other organizations that are underutilized, that are underperforming, or that really aren't playing to their needs. And you think back to the big trade two years ago, and right away, Victor Oladipo and Damana Sabonis fit that bill. The Thunder were not playing, they were playing Sabonis at the four four position, which really isn't his strength. And, and we're maximizing him at the five. Now, the Pacers are going to experiment a little bit with that this year out of need. Um, but I think T.J. Warren will come here and really have a chance to flourish, just like Jeremy Lamb.
0: And Scott also, I feel like Victor coming back is. I was like having a, a mid season trade with him coming back because the team would be already kind of have a, who they are, but you adding this extra jolt that that you didn't have at the beginning of the year. Like I was like, like a trade almost when you get him back and out running up and down the court and the impact impacted on offense and defensively. You can just give the guys like energy boost with his great talent and play.
1: It very well could be, but what we don't know is what he'll look like coming back. Um, Primarily because this is a a unusual injury for this type of player, right? So talking to doctors after the injury, what it is uh, is a right quad injury, uh, a tear, ruptured quad. And it's different than DeMarcus Cousins, who we saw come back after several weeks in the playoffs, much more extreme than that. This injury doesn't often happen to people in great shape or under the age of 40. And the only real Basis of information that Victor, his people, and the Pacers can go off of is Tony Parker. He suffered this a couple of years ago, this exact injury, but he was almost 10 years older at 35. Um, So while he looks great right now and by all accounts is ahead of schedule, has been ahead of schedule, I am uh, proceeding a little bit with caution, number one, because this type of injury, and number two, let's take recent history, what we saw here in Indy with Paul George and Boston with Gordon Hayward, two other significant type injuries and those guys really did not look themselves that first year back but then I think they'll thrive after after that first year Paul George is in that MVP conversation um, but best case scenarios you're exactly right it's it's big coming back providing that jolt of energy and being like a midseason acquisition
0: that's one I got for you, Scott. Uh, you know, in Atlanta, we've we, redone we, Philips Arena, now State Farm Arena. We really did the whole place. Uh, Rail, you guys and Baker of Life will do it for the band, because I feel house as well, redo we that. So what are you guys going to be doing with the, with the arena, making it better for the fans and for the team going forward?
1: Yeah, good research on your part right there. And I and I do want to get down there and check out the new State Farm Center arena, because I, I did not make it down there last year. Um, but the biggest thing – uh, that they're going to be doing over the next three years is created more of a, a welcoming public-type space, like like we see down there at, at Atlanta's Arena, right, in that um, the ripping out some of the seats in a section and making it more like a public bar where you kind of just stand around, you're at the game, you can watch if you want, you can hang out. Um, that's a big part of it at a couple ends, um, And we see that more and more now is people don't want to go to the game, sit in their seat, and that's all they want to do. And then another big thing they're working on, or they will get started here in two years, is outside. It's, it's kind of a welcoming plaza, if you will. Um, and one part will be an area that's a large area that in the winter time could be a skating rink, and maybe during the, the summer times could be a basketball court, or an outdoor space that can be used. Um, so they're really trying to make it a community area where you can have a good time before the game um, during the, throughout the year. And then if you want to just come to the game and casually follow, this is one way to reel people back in. It's their belief. When we have HDTV and 70-inch TV with instant replay, uh, this is where you want to go, I think, where you can just watch the game with buddies and maybe have a drink and and casually enjoy yourself. So it'll be interesting to see. I think this this has become a trend throughout the league.
0: Oh yeah, and I know Atlanta we have a top golf in the arena, uh the barbershop, a courtside club. By the way, I've
1: heard that barber shop or the, at least the barber in there are really, really good. Yes That's they what somebody are. Somebody down there told me. So Yes they
0: are they're very good and, and they and they have appointments for you throughout the game, even after hour after post game is doing haircuts for you. Uh we got the Harrows Club, we got the we got the players club, the stadium club, I mean a lot of clubs in at the at the arena mm-hmm. are, I, I enjoy them a lot very much after the game. <laughs> just would not what that yeah. party enjoy? You know he enjoyed the ambiance. Right. For, <laughs> for
1: Hawks fans, they have to have something else to entice them to come to games, right? Whether yes. it's cheap beer or – I really like what they've done in, in their concession stand pricing, both the Hawks and the Falcons, and, and make it really affordable because I think that's also a trend because why, why go pay those extreme prices when I have my giant screen, my free access to the restroom, and, and cheap beer, right? And so that's one way of trying to change it up and seeing if – they can attract that new age customer, and also having plug-ins and Wi-Fi is another way.
0: Yes, I looking forward to coming up to Indianapolis with the Falcons. We play, I think we play you guys at the home this up there this year. We got Tennessee coming to town to play us in Jacksonville, I think. So I think we, we're we're definitely gonna be going to Houston and in Indy. So I'm looking forward to that trip as well to see Lucas Oil Stadium again. But I tell you what, Scott, I, t- I it's very it's been very good because the last year the fans loved the arena. They didn't care about the team. They wanted to team to lose, of course. But they enjoyed the arena. It was a very good experience for the for the players. Everybody came in, enjoyed it as well. And I don't know if you remember or not how the locker room used to be at the other end for for the visitors. Now it's mm-hmm. towards 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 the loading dock now, so you don't cross the Hawks anymore, I it I, I, I used to be.
1: Oh, yeah, that
0: ago. was an awkward
1: circumstance right there, yeah.
0: Yeah, so now it's that door between you between that's you, close to loading dock, you go in, you go right out, never see the Hawks if you, unless you want to. <laughs> you know, so it's <laughs> changed now, but it's great, I enjoy it, and I'll try to tell Steve Coonan and Mr. Wrestler, how about the All-Star Game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Let's be it for that. That'll be great. Yeah, you know, I'm not
1: a big fan of I'm not a big fan of basketball in stadiums. Specifically talking about the Final Four, that's where I'm not a fan of that. Oh yeah, because it's coming. to hit me. We did see that in Dallas, right?
2: Yeah. like five
1: six years ago. Yeah, and I thought it went over well. Just I guess more in that I don't mind as much because it's more for the fans. So the more fans that can go, the better. Um, where I have a challenge with it is the Final Four when you have a title on the line, and yes. now you're not only is it a neutral site. But you're throwing a new environment with 70,000 fans. That's that's tough for me.
0: Yes, and we'll be having that 2020 in Atlanta uh, this coming season. We'll be here. So, along Super Bowl and, and that traffic, which is crazy. We got the Final Four coming in as well. So, going to be a lot of sports in Atlanta. Plus, National Championship game was here last last year, other year as well. So, I mm-hmm. tell you what, man, I, I enjoy living here because so many big events come here. But the traffic is already bad. It's 20 times worse when it comes to time. At least
1: you got it. The one thing, too, you got going for you is you got a great airport where you can fly nonstop everywhere. I am jealous of that.
0: Yes, indeed. You're right about that, man. <laughs> and you know what? I live by the airports. So I hear the planes coming all the time. So, like, when I hear a plane, it's like, okay, that's a plane. Nothing doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. My girlfriend's like, what's that? It's just a plane, babe. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a plane. You know, let it go. It's just a plane. But, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. So, I'm going give, to give you a call, man. I'm in Indianapolis with the Falcons. Hope you come to the game, see the Falcons play the coach. Uh, I'll definitely hit you up when you come to the Indiana as well, because I go, travel with the Hawks as well. So I travel with them, so I go on the road with them. It's a lot of fun. Oh, so excellent. Nice. Hopefully, I'll see you when I come up there as well, man. All right,
1: JR. Good stuff.
0: I like it. Hey, Scott, you've been great, man. I follow your work on Twitter, man. You do a great job at athletic, man. Keep up the good work, and thank you for your time. we got to do this again real soon, brother.
1: Sounds good. Appreciate you. Thanks, JR.
0: All right, now. And Scott. You're in the boss man, so people.